Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Yes, my wife Jennifer is here because I'm preaching on family. She wants to check if I walk the walk. Hear the word of God from the book of Ephesians. My understanding is that uh, as a congregation, uh, Pastor John Joseph has lined out different portions of this great book of the Apostle Paul uh, to speak to us as a congregation uh, in this day and in this time. And uh, here we are at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. I want to say thank you for the warm welcome that I've uh, received. I don't know if all the friendly people come early. They're the ones I met. (laughs) But uh, to be together and to actually share a name with a leader of your church, though he's got a little different spelling of it, uh, let me just say he's 1st John, I'm 2nd John. (laughs) But if you don't listen, it's John of the Apocalypse, so look out. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. I'm reading from the New International Version, which I believe is the Bible in your pews. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. Three days ago, my wife Jennifer woke up and she turned to me and she said, today, let's go to Allie and Trevor's house and write Bible verses on the wall frame. Let me give you some context. Our daughter and son-in-law's home is being expanded and remodeled to meet the needs of their growing family. And so I said, come on, man. Sure, honey. There you go. We did that really well. Well, I included this citation in Ephesians 6, verse 1 through 4. That was what my Sharpie scribbled on the studs. If the walls of your home were exposed, what would the scripture be on that framework in your home, in your family. Well, let's unpack this passage. Look at verse 4. 
You notice that it says, fathers, do not provoke or exasperate your children to anger. Look at the word anger. The Greek original is parorgizo. There won't be a test on that word, don't worry. It comes from two words in Greek, par or para, which means close beside. The paraclete is the Holy Spirit that walks alongside us of God. Close beside. In a family, we are in close quarters. We rub along together well, or we rub each other the wrong way. And then orgizo, the second half of that word anger, which means, I was interested to find, a fixed anger, not a flash of anger. In our house, believe it or not, we have some flashes of anger, at least internally. We are human. And when I saw this, I scratched my head because I knew the Apostle Paul also in the book of Ephesians, a verse that many of you know, Ephesians 4 verse 10, Paul writes, be angry, but do not sin. But the Greek word for anger in that Ephesians chapter, just orgizo, is not the fixed anger. It's the flash of anger. Hang with me here. Jesus illustrates this in the parable of the prodigal son. When after he embraces and forgives and reconnects the younger prodigal who stumbled home, the father humbles himself to go out to the field where his elder son is experiencing para orgizo, a fixed anger, stamping his foot with frustration at his family and dad's choices. But picture this father. This story is so well known. Picture this father. He never surrenders his authority or role as leader in the family. He is not a marshmallow. Instead, he chooses to humble himself by going out to where the sun is, going to the sun. He listens even to this flood of frustration that his elder son says, and the father resolutely perseveres to speak words of grace, truth, love, inviting the son back into the family. Don't stay fixed in your anger out here. My son, all that I have is yours. And it's right for celebration today. Your brother was lost. He's found. Your brother was dead. But now he's alive again. Some fathers here today are facing a prodigal stumbling home or a proud child stamping their feet. What's your plan, Dad? What's your plan, Mom? 
to be patient, to persevere. You are the parents. Take the initiative. Eugene Peterson, the beloved and brilliant pastor theologian who did a Bible translation called The Message, that many of us have, have read, and who was a father before his death of three children, translated Ephesians 6, verse 4 this way. Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Wow. That's what discipline and instruction of the Lord is. To lead them in the way of Jesus, even in the tense time when flashes of anger are coming. Or you sense in your children, whether toddlers, teenagers, or young adults, For myself, I had 24 good years of being fathered by a Jesus-loving dad before his death. And from 39 years of fathering experience myself, let me tell you, this works. It is the way. Don't confuse flashes with fixed anger. At age 16, with a new driver's license, I stayed out late past curfew one night. How did this happen? How did it get so late? Where'd the time go? And feeling that fear and guilt in my gut driving home, I came up with a brilliant solution. Why wake my parents when I got home? Surely, much better, much kinder to them if I just silently slip in and go to sleep. Better for all of us, right? You tried it. I awoke the next morning in one piece. Gee, it must have worked. I went into the kitchen to eat breakfast. Strangely, my mother was not there. But... My father was. And he said, your mother was up all night. She didn't hear you come home at all. That was not right to sneak in past curfew without letting her know you were home safe. Don't ever do that again. Do you understand? Yes, sir. I understand. It won't happen again. Well, dad said, I got to get to work. But you will apologize to your mother this morning, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I will. Why do young children love to wrestle with their dad? I have a theory. They want contact with someone bigger and stronger, contact that will not crush them. God the Father has planted in every human heart that same yearning. 
dads and moms, it's our opportunity to model contact without crushing. Right now, at our kitchen table, we've got three generations. Every day, every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner. For a few months, our daughter and son-in-law, their family of four, including one-year-old Ian and two-year-old Silas, are living with us. While their Encinitas home is expanded to meet the needs of their growing family. What a blessing. <laughs> now, son-in-law Trevor cooks breakfast for the whole family every day before going off to work. Yes, he cooks it. Man, when I was a dad and the breakfast cook, it was Pop-Tarts and a Tang. And he cooks dinner uh, several nights a week, especially when our daughter works her 12-hour shifts at the hospital. Now, I ply my culinary skill level by washing the dishes. <laughs> while the parents see to bath and bedtime. So I hope I've painted a perfect picture of our family harmony. It's a curated picture to be sure cropped a little bit, cleaned up. I learned a new photography term this, this week. In-painting. In-painting. It's a retouch technology that allows you to remove unwanted stuff from your family picture. <laughs> Are you in-painting your family photo? Are we ignoring stuff we don't want others to see? So back to my house, this is the sitcom, the dramedy of my family life. I don't need to watch Full House. I live in a Full House. Eight is enough. With a one and a two-year-old, six is enough. But watching our daughter and our son-in-law, who are great parents, and Jen and I have actually learned from watching them. They have a parenting plan. And it does include patience and perseverance with their boys. It doesn't have perfection in the plan. But it has patience and perseverance. Do you have a family plan? Now you may say, oh, I'm an empty nester. Kids are out. Still the question. Brother, sister, do you have a family plan for whoever's around your kitchen table, whether it's only at Thanksgiving or it's daily? Because we all got family. To conclude, I want to tell you about cults, characters, and community. Cults seek to cut you off from family. They promise but don't deliver. There are certain characters in your family who may try to guilt you into living in some kind of enmeshed, dysfunctional family system with no boundaries and no blessings. We don't want that either. But unlike those lies of the devil, people in Christian community who are so blessed to have God 
our Father to have God's grace and groundedness to experience forgiveness and wisdom from God's heart. We who write verses on our walls and work to live the scriptures scribbled on the studs, the framework of our family, we who follow Jesus at our kitchen table, we cover those flashes of anger with patience, grace, and authority, and we seek out those with fixed anger to listen, to listen to them, to speak the truth in love, and model the way of the master. Now, I wasn't going to say anything about the end of the passage until our mission partner spoke. And like you, I was affected, obviously, with the idea of slavery. Two things. God's word is eternal. It is always right. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us, you know, Scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word is eternal. But God's word is also contextual. Contextual. It is written to people in different societies and cultures, often than our own today. We share, as a human family, so many of the same traits, so many of the same challenges. But we can't be willfully blind to social, rigid structures that are not in harmony with God's purpose for people, which are not Christ-like. We know that. And so when we come to a passage of Scripture that, that seems awkward or time-bound or whatever, as the end of our passage does, I think it's best to know the eternal and the contextual and to say, Paul here is talking about any relationship where there is power and authority involved. And I want to give you one example that I think looks good not only on America, but on Christian people. Back in the 80s and 90s, uh, AIDS was sweeping across the continent of Africa. And believe it or not, a conservative Republican president, prompted by others, came up with a plan, as administration did. The acronym was PEPFAR, President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. And the Bush administration got it passed through Congress that billions would be spent of U.S. foreign aid dollars to provide Africans infected with AIDS the antiretroviral drugs, which were plentiful in America, but prohibitively expensive in Africa. It saved 80 million lives and hundreds of millions of families where children were not orphaned because of this aid. How on earth could a conservative politician do this for a disease that many at that time would have called it the gay disease? Well, did you know 
in President Bush's administration, that the National Security Director, who would eventually become Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. She was the point person with the president on this initiative. Do you know that Ms. Rice is the daughter of a Presbyterian pastor? And you know of President Bush's faith in Christ. But Ms. Rice pushed PEPFAR through because the good book is good for humanity, for global stability, and even the economy. Ms. Rice, I mean, if you know her, is no soft-hearted dreamer. She works hard, she finds the facts, she calculates the risks and rewards, and is guided by God and God's word. That's the only way such a humane and sane and smart decision could have been made and passed by Congress. Using the power, authority, influence that's resident in this room for God's purposes, that will be life-changing, not just in our homes, but in this island city and in this world. Amen? Well, I want to give you something fun to, to end with. If you have a pen, write the word PLAY, P-L-A-Y, PLAY. It's an acronym. My wife knows I'm infamous for them. <laughs> P, what does the P stand for? Plan, write out a parenting plan, not reactive, but proactive. Put the words patience and perseverance in your plan. You're going to need them. L, for me, that means listen and learn from one another in your family. You can do that without leaving your positions of authority. Also, the word love. Boy, you better put that in. A. A is for allow for mistakes. Be grace-based. Respond to the flashes of anger and reach out to those with fixed anger issues. Why? What on earth could why be in this plan? Oh, come on. Yahoo. Play together. Play together. It lightens the load. It's fun. It catches family members by surprise. And grandparents get to do a lot of it. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. I give you this charge. Play. Play. My good wife said, another P word is pray. <laughs> play with your families and whatever uh, uh, groupings they are, whether it means a phone call or a Zoom call or a Facebook call, or if it means wiping the mess next to the two-year-old. Sorry, talking personally. Play. Make that your family plan. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.